You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 238 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. I'm actually hungry and cold, uh, but I'm great. How are you? We were talking about cake earlier, weren't we? I know. I feel what like kind I of need cake some, we need. I need some I need cake. food. I'm a bit Yeah, stressed. we both do. Yes. <laughs> but we won't bother sharing with all of our listeners how stressed we are because everyone is stressed and busy to some level. We want to give a big shout out to Carib from Germany. Carib kindly left us a review on iTunes, which is really kind of Carib, entitled... Wonderful podcast with two wonderful women. Oh my goodness, I like being described as a wonderful woman. Do you think that he means us or she means us? Anyway, (laughs) the um, review is, found this podcast a few months ago looking for a good podcast on photography. And what should I say? It's so different and so cool. Gina is a professional and gives so many tips and tricks to the listeners that help to improve their photography. And it's not just technical explanations. She describes the things in her own way so that everybody can understand it. And Valerie brings in the perspective of a non-pro photographer that asks the right questions at the right time. Love their talks at the beginning about life in Australia, travel, unexpected house guests, cats and Nutella and I love Gina's MacGyver hacks but most of all I love how photography is explained in an uncomplicated way with good examples. Very cool podcast for beginners and experienced photographers. Thanks for the entertaining shows every week Gina and Valerie and many greetings from Germany. Oh, how wonderful. That's so cool, isn't it? Yes. That someone in Germany is listening to us crap on about possums in my house. Yes. And, <laughs> and enjoys it. Hello and, yes, and thank really you. Really appreciate it, Karib. That's really made our day. And, of it course, sure if has. you have uh, 30 seconds to leave us a review or rating on iTunes, that would be awesome because it really helps us in the rankings. And maybe we should do this episode in German in, like, Go honor for of it. Karib. Go for it, Val. Um, I, I bet learn? you you're fluent in German. What did I learn in German? Okay. Ich Go bin Frau Seitz or ich bin Frau Kuh. Ich gehe zum Bäcker und kaufe Brot in Brötchen und Milch und Zucker und Marmelade. <laughs> I can also what? say, wie viel Uhr ist es? <laughs> See, you, you're a freak, Valerie Kuh. <laughs> no, that's just year seven German. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did you do German in year seven? Yeah, and French and Greek and Latin. What? Wait, what? Well, we had two. Four languages? Yeah, you had two in the first half of the year and two in the second half of the year, which meant you got a taste for, you know, ancient and modern languages and then you had to choose from year eight. Well, we did French. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Je suis une rockstar. C'est un stylo. <laughs> le stylo est sur le table. Okay. There you go. Great. Uh, how bad is that? I cannot remember any of... Four languages? That's nuts. Yeah, but it wasn't like we became fluent or anything. Look, Phil, that was pretty good, whatever you just said in German. Uh, your breakfast is ready in the room. <laughs> <laughs> that comes in handy. handy. <laughs> okay, so anyway, thank you so much, Karib, and we won't uh, regale you with my attempts at German because they're probably not actually very good. You know, maybe I can say, mm, das Otto, das good. <laughs> That's about it. All right, so uh, what else has been happening, Gina? Oh, so I've got the uh, AMA for the Gold Community. The ask me anything. It's ask me anything for the Gold Community tomorrow. And hello to all the new members yes, that have joined recently. That's community. fantastic. Welcome. Welcome. Yeah, so we're doing that. So we're setting up, uh, what have we got? What questions have we got tomorrow? We've got uh, uh, lighting diagrams that I'm doing for someone to help plan out cool. a studio shoot that we're doing. And also we're talking about Lightroom and we're also talking about lifestyle photography and a whole heap of other stuff. Stuff. So very excited about that, Val. Awesome, brilliant. And if you're interested in finding out a little bit more about the gold community, have a listen to this. Hey guys, are you an enthusiast or pro photographer who wants to take their photography to the next level? I'd love the opportunity to work with you and I want to introduce you to my gold community. The gold community is an educational resource where members get access to photography courses and regular tutorials. There's over 200 tutorials with more being added each month. In these tutorials, I take you on set with me and I share my thought process behind scouting locations, posing and directing models, lighting and post-production. You get to see the entire shoot from start to finish, from surface in Sri Lanka using a single speed light to character portraits on the streets of Sicily using daylight or high-end studio shoots where I share all my posing and connecting hacks. There's also regular photo critiques, monthly live calls and heaps more. As a member, you'll also have access to my exclusive Facebook group and online forum where you'll be able to connect with other members from all over the world. So what are you waiting for? Join the Gold community today and start taking the kind of photos you've always dreamed of. You can check it out at ginamilitia.com. All right, so let's get on to this week's topic, which is how to overcome your fear of selling. And we have a special guest this week. Now, if you are a photographer and you want to build up your the number of gigs that you get as a photographer, you're essentially, you need to sell, right? And uh, when you need to sell, the trouble is that some people can feel a bit icky or they can feel a bit awkward because they don't know what to say or they don't want to feel like they're selling. So the thing is that... You know, people in that situation need help, but also sometimes people are perfectly happy to try selling. However, um, 
they actually do it in a way that's awkward or do it in a way that's not quite right because they don't know the right words to say. So, who is our guest this week and how is she going to help us, Gina? Yeah, so this this is a great topic and something we get asked about a lot, Val. So, when our guest, Shauna Beckman, reached out, I thought this would be a perfect topic to cover. So, Shauna is a leading sales coach for creatives who want to get paid without feeling like it's, you know, without feeling icky. So, uh, she helps people learn how to communicate more effectively and uh, so she was a great guest uh, to interview and like some of the topics we cover in this episode is how uh, Shauna honed her skills working, get this, for as an organ tissue for an organ tissue donation company. So she would yeah, right. say, yeah, so interesting. And like she also tells us about the ways that we are all naturals at selling and we're actually doing it every day. And also how how to overcome your fear of selling and why it feels weird and like how to overcome that and the right and wrong way to sell yourself and a heap more points that you know, I think this is a, a great episode for anyone who wants to overcome their fear of selling. So shall we have a listen? Absolutely. So now let's have a listen to Shauna Beckman. Shauna Beckman, welcome to the show. How are you going? What's up? It's good to talk to you. I'm really happy to be here with you. I'm really excited to chat to you. Before we get started, tell us where in the world are you? I am actually in Alabama. Wow, in the States. And it's uh, I, late at night there. Thank you for staying up to uh, chat to us today. <laughs> I know. It's like way past my bedtime. It's like 9.30. <laughs> I remember those days. Uh, you have your hands full. How many children do you I have? I do. I actually have five kids and I had them in less than seven years. So we have quite the pack. I uh, I had two under two, and that for me nearly killed me. And uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. The, yeah, the, I know, right? I totally understand. Do you know what the turning point for me was when when I had uh, two ba- like babies, practically when uh, the youngest could sit up in the bath on his own? That yeah. for me was like, yep. I can do this. I think I can do this. But for the rest mm-hmm. of it, I was pretty much rocking in the corner for most of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I just feel like I'm now starting to come up for air now that the oldest is eight and, you know, they're all starting to walk and, you know, they're they're a good bunch. But, yeah, I absolutely hear what you're saying. Yeah. So your business, you, you help creatives uh, – learn to sell without feeling like selling. Now, for me, and I know a lot of creatives feel the same way, selling feels dirty, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. and and it's kind of associated with that uh, used car salesman where you'd walk onto the lot and and some smarmy guy would come up to you and uh, sell you a car that you didn't really want and and you'd walk away Mm -hmm. feeling, ew, I didn't enjoy that experience. And so for a lot of us, we've got that sort of idea of what selling is uh, in our Mm -hmm. head. And it's very hard to uh, reframe that and, you know, as a a photographer, try and sell either our services or our work. It's kind of like this um, block 
that a lot of creatives mm-hmm. have and it's probably the most common question I get asked is like how do I get over that fear of selling how do you define selling Shauna yeah absolutely I think that selling is is sort of earning your right to to ask for the sale so it's selling is really about like how would I define it I think that you know this selling is essentially the the right to give a full recommendation. So we kind of think that selling is often something that you do to someone, but the essence of selling is actually like, how can I get the information that I need? How can I get this person to trust me that I can then in confidence, give them a full recommendation of the thing that will benefit them the most. Sometimes that may be your thing. Sometimes it may not, but if you can start to think about, and treat sales from that that perspective, it can really change everything for you. And kind of when we think about it, we sell naturally on a daily basis. Like if you've uh, seen a great movie, you'll tell your friends about it, right? You go, oh my God, I saw this great movie and this was what I really loved about it. Or if you mm-hmm. go to a great restaurant and you think it's amazing, then you'll tell all your friends about it. That's selling, isn't it? Oh yeah. And I mean, we do this naturally like all the time anyway, you know, as, as, as mothers, like we're constantly like, you know, making our kids think that, you know, eating their vegetables is the most awesome thing ever. Or like we're negotiating bedtimes, like everything in life is sales. Yeah. Constantly. How did you get Mm -hmm. into selling? Yeah. It's kind of a happy, it's kind of a random accident actually. So I graduated And I got this degree in family social science, which, you know, it kind of makes sense now that I have five kids, but they were like, at the time, everyone was just like, pursue what you love. And I really loved families and I wanted to work with them in some capacity. And when I graduated college, I couldn't find a job, right? It was like when the, like the economy was horrible and you were making like 12 bucks an hour and it was really crummy. And I ended up getting this really awesome job at a tissue donation center. And so what happens is when someone dies, your deaths are essentially reported to like a database, right? Yeah. And in that database, you you call the family, like the next, the next kind of family member in line, and you approach them to consider tissue donation. And it's it's a very awkward conversation that a oh lot God, of people don't want to have. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a very awkward conversation that a lot of people don't want to have, but um, I, I love that job. It was so interesting and so good in a lot of different ways. But when we moved across the country and we had more kids, I was casually just kind of taking those conversational principles and helping friends apply them to business. And they were closing deals like left and right. And I was like, okay, like this is actually kind of a thing. And so over the last couple of years, I've just been refining that skill and helping people in business, like get over their fear of selling and how to really navigate the parts where they feel like a deer in headlights. So coming back to this uh, uh, tissue donation uh, company that you work for, you're cold Mm -hmm. calling someone who's just loved, lost a loved one and asking them to donate their organs, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, literally just like that, they're either probably in the hallway of the hospital or they're like driving on their way home. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's, but that that's like normal. You know what I mean? Like that's just like a normal after death decision that people are often faced with. And so I did that for about a year and it's, 
it's amazing. Like it was, it was amazing because you, you weren't there to pressure anybody into a decision. Like you were just there to facilitate a decision, right? Like, have you actually talked about this? Like, do, have, do you know what's on their driver's license? Do they have a will? Like, have they discussed this with anybody else? Right. And so you're there to, to get the information and then to make sure that they have the accurate information to make a decision. And so that's really how you want to treat sales in your own business too, is right. Like, do you have the appropriate information to in confidence then give a full recommendation of what's the next natural step? All right. So it's just a matter of now getting over that mindset that, that as a creative, a photographer, we're selling something to someone or trying to force someone to do something that they don't want to do and flip that around and trying to uh, share the value in what you have and try and show someone else uh, how you can help them, right? So when you were working with these uh, prospective tissue donors that you were talking to the family members, sure. is that what you were doing? You were trying to show them the value in like how many other lives could potentially be saved? Yes, you're absolutely right. So the first thing that you mentioned is that you never want to sell something. To, okay, first of all, they would never say what we did was sales, right? Like it's yeah. literally helped facilitate. Okay, so I just want to clear that up for the record. Like, yeah, of course. We, there's no, they would never say what we did was sales, but in the converse, in the context of like navigating conversations, it absolutely is still very applicable to business and sales. So you do not want to sell your service, your gifts, your products to people who do not want it. Okay. Yep. Like that, you don't, you do not want to go there. So if people have not already made that decision, you absolutely want to facilitate that conversation. Have you ever thought about it? What does this mean to you? Like, what could you do with this? Like, what kind of value do you see? So like you're, you're getting them to essentially draw, like you're essentially drawing awareness around their own need and desire for your thing. And you don't, and you don't get that unless you actually ask questions to identify those things and, and make it so that way it literally becomes their own decisions by the questions you're asking. Does that make sense? Yeah. So okay. when, you, when you first started doing this, like, can you remember the first call you made and how you felt? Like when I was uh, doing the donation stuff? Call. Your first oh, ever man. sales call. Oh man, my first ever like actual business sales call. That's such a great question. Yeah. I mean, I remember I went right for the discount, <laughs> right? Like I was like, this is my service and like, okay, how much can you afford? And then you end up discounting. And we know now, like now through lots of practice and, and my own sort of personal coaching and development is that you don't do the, you know, the people who want the discounts are usually the people who never buy, right? Yeah. Like they're only just waiting for the discount. So that's also been a hard lesson that is something that a lot of creatives do, right? When they're navigating the, the parts about selling their, their gifts or their service, it's like, oh, well, okay, I guess if you are looking for a discount or if you're, if the price feels a little weird here, just let me give it to you. Right. Like in, when we get stressed out in the conversation, it starts to feel awkward. Our first instinct is to just say, okay, here, here, let me give it to you. Like, don't even worry about it. Right. Yeah. But I want to go back to how did you feel? Like, I know you're confident and uh, I oh, know you're an sure. extrovert and we'll talk about that in a, in a minute, but like that, very first sales call 
How did you feel talking to a complete stranger and walking them through the process? How did you feel? Were you nervous? Sure. Oh yeah. I mean, absolutely. The first, the first package that I ever sold was like $1,500. Right. And so I felt desperate. I felt like I needed that money. And so I wanted to do whatever I could to get them to buy. And so that also, I think prevents a lot of people from selling what their service is actually worth is because man, it feels scary. It does start to feel like a desperate, it does start to feel desperate and you don't want to be in that place. So you'd rather just, here you go, like hand it off. Right. Or not do it at all or not make that call or not, or not, yeah. or not put yourself out there for fear of uh, getting rejected. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. You're, you would define yourself as an extrovert, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> to the core. <laughs> and so having those conversations for you is pretty comfortable putting yourself out there and selling. Yeah. I mean, I absolutely, I, I still kind of get nervous, right? Like I, I still feel the emotions of, oh my gosh, like I, I, I feel the butterflies, right? Yeah. Every single time, even still it's, it can be nerve wracking, but it, it excites me. Like I love what I do and I love having those conversations with people. So how, how does a, a photographer get over that sort of all these preconceived ideas that we have about selling, you know, being dirty, you shouldn't have to um, put yourself out there, people should come to you. How, how do you mm-hmm. get over that? All of these and whatever ideas that you've grown up with about, you know, what selling is, how do you get over that? Oh man, this is such a good loaded question in so many different ways. I think that fundamentally, I think that sales feels weird when you're selling the wrong thing to the wrong person. And so what we want to do is we want to look kind of at our work and like who our work resonates with the most and like who is like in love with that style of work and start to identify patterns And once you can identify patterns, you can start to have a stronger marketing message and everything else gets clear because you know exactly who your thing is for and exactly what it is. So you've got some tools in your tool belt that way. Right. So are you saying it's more like selling to a warm audience rather than cold selling? Yeah. I mean, you don't want to sell to anybody unless you've extended an invitation. Right. And what I mean by that is like, you're actually saying, is this something that you want help with? Is this something that you're looking for? Do you want to talk about how I can help you? Like you can't do that to someone if they have like, if, if you haven't first identified the need, right? So that goes back to who is, who are you selling to? And do you have the right offer? And once you can identify those things, you can start to naturally extend the invitation because it will feel weird if it's a totally cold lead. So, or like somebody who doesn't even know what you do, right? So you'll want to hone in on some like level of marketing that draws awareness. So that way it's not, that person isn't so cold and has never heard of your thing before, but the later is going to be really important. So it's kind of like, uh, going up to a complete stranger and asking them to marry you. That's someone that you like and saying, Hey, I like the look of you. Do you want to marry me? It's 
too much too yeah. fast, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, think about think about it from your customer's perspective. They don't want to be told what to do ever. Right. Nobody wants to be told what to do. They people love choices and people love their choices the most. And so what we want to do is we want to treat the conversation to empower them to make a choice, right? And so what ends up happening is a lot of people have like these preconceived ideas about the thing that you sell or what you do, or they don't understand it fully, right? Like, hasn't that ever happened to you where you're like, yeah, what you think I do isn't exactly what I do. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so, and so you want to facilitate that conversation because they're, they're kind of operating in their brain, like about what you do and what they think you do. And so you want to meet them at that place and have that conversation. So that way they have all the facts. Right. So, all right. So what are some strategies that you can recommend for photographers say who are just starting out and they say they're starting out and their area of specialty might be say lifestyle photography or family photography or pet photography and they want to they want more people to uh, find out about them how do they sell their services yeah good question so the first thing that i would do is i think that the most important tool that you have is is your communication. And so when you are communicating to other people, like what you do and who you help, rather than just say, Hey, I'm a family photographer. or Hey, like I'm a really great, like pet photographer. Like what you can do is you can say like, do you know how insert the problem that you solve? So it would say something like, do you know how families never fill out their, their baby book after their, you know, their second, third or fourth baby has arrived. Do you you know people like that who like never get to their baby book? Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I actually help families with that by taking really awesome family photos. So that way they can have a book when they're done. So the language is really important. And I see that you've used, you continue to use, I help families do this. So you identify a problem yep, and then show how you, you can solve it. Yes. Cause what you're doing is when you're first starting out is you need people like mm. you actually need people to book your service. And so what you do is when you casually mention it this way, I'm getting you the other person to hear who I'm looking for. And you will immediately start wrapping your mind around your entire network, looking for that person. Right. And so either you'll give me a referral or a recommendation on the spot or when you leave and when you like part ways, what will happen is now I've also given you a visual representation of what I do and who I help. So when you go out and about and your family says, oh, I've got this baby book that I just have never finished. Who are you going to think about? Exactly. The, the last, yeah. Me. Yeah. 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 So you, people make decisions twice. They make them in their mind and they make them with their wallet. And so what you're doing, like with their decisions or with their wallet. And so what you're doing is you're painting that picture and creating a powerful form of visual persuasion that isn't going to take you any extra work or any extra time, but gives you access to somebody's entire network that you may not have had a, had before. Right. So it's, it's being more strategic. So uh, do you recommend that um, photographers do this uh, online exclusively or are we using uh, face-to-face? Uh, is there cold calling involved or is it a mix of all of that? Sure. I mean, I absolutely like to treat 
my business like a normal extension of my life. So if I am, you know, meeting, you know, people at church or in the school line or, you know, when I have brunch or, you know, something like I won't make it extra complicated. And that includes online because that's still going to be people to people. So when somebody naturally just asks me, like, what do I do? I'll say, hey, like, I'm actually, you know, I actually do you know how um, yeah, I'm trying to think. We just go with this example. Do you know how families don't like taking pictures in, you know, outside in the grass and are looking for a new, I'm, this is a bad example. I'm, I'm riffing here. Forgive me, but you're just going with the baby book example. So you think, yeah, do you know how people have babies and then they never finish their baby books and then they regret it later, you know? Yeah. I help with that. So if you can, if you can leverage that, who do you help paint that picture? And then the problem that you solve, um, you can use that online, offline, just casually when you're meeting people for the first time. So it's a good idea to have a little pitch, a little uh, sort of a little spiel maybe prepared so that when you are bumping into people, you might have uh, the right sort of thing to say. Obviously, you don't want it to sound like a pitch, but you want it to you just explain what you do and how you help people with your photography. Yes. And that was something that I learned, you know, back in my days working the donation center is that the worst time to think about what you want to say is in the moment. And so if you can just mentally kind of prepare and practice, it's going to make it feel much, much more natural when it happens in real life. All right. So what are some prompts that uh, we can use to help us develop a a kind of a, a pitch that we can use when we are out and about meeting people you know are there some things that are there words that we should use and perhaps words that we should avoid when we're uh, making that uh, pitch sure I think that when you're out and about meeting people for the first time I I wouldn't try to sell my service to somebody that doesn't feel like the natural the beginning of a relationship right so you so I think that that's really important that you're you're again your people who are going to buy is not going to be every single person that you come into contact with. But what we can, what we do know is that when you think about your business and the way that it's grown, it probably has come mostly from 10 of the most intimate people who know you and you, and you know them well. And so when you're out and about, I think that it's really important to to kind of pick, (laughs) pick your friends where there's a natural connection that feels like the beginning of a relationship. And so I like to personally make friends with people on one of three bases. And it's going to be your shared experience. Like what things do you have in common, right? right? Like, what have you done? My best, my best friend, actually, her and I became best friends because we had the same tennis shoes, right? In German class in seventh grade. And we've been friends for, you know, for a lifetime, right? And we still joke about that. And so You make friends based on shared experience. You also make them on shared values, right? And then you thirdly make friends based on your shared sense of humor. So I like to use those kind of indicators. So that way, again, the relationship feels natural and it doesn't just feel like, oh, I'm just making friends. So that way, you know, they feel used and I'm going to sell them something. Right. Right. You actually have like a level of of context that goes beyond the thing you sell, which is important. And I think that's why selling feels so weird again is because we treat, if, if we're treating sales as like a short term relationship, yeah, of course it's going to feel weird. So when you can really see them as like long term 
partnerships, long-term referrals or repeat business, it's an entire different game. All right. And so we're having a chat to someone. We might have met them at the uh, hair salon, the person in the chair next to you. And, and uh, sure. you know, invariably the conversation always turns to, so what do you do? Which is then an opportunity to uh, share what you do with that other person and but not sell. And and so I guess yep. the mistake that a, a lot of newbies might make at that time is uh, without even being asked what you do, it's like, hey, I see you've got kids there. I photograph kids. Here's my card. And that's where it feels yes. good. So, yes. So it goes back to making sure that you find a need first. You're not there to just sell your service. You're there to, your business exists for other people. And so you, and I think this is why creatives struggle with sales. I mean, this is like a little side note is that most creatives, like our work is for ourselves, right? But your business actually is for other people. And so you're not there to just say, Hey, like, here's my business card. I see you have kids. You want to book an appointment with me? It's going to be more like, Hey, I see that you have you this amazing family and I actually take photos of families who are looking for insert the problem that you solve. So if, if, if that's you, here's how you could book a session with me. Right. So like clearly identify who the person is, what the problem is and what do they do? What's the next natural step? Right. So it's, a, it's making sure that you have a clear identity of the person and the problem. Otherwise, yeah, they're just going to feel used. Like they don't, people don't want to just be one of your 5,000 pitches. They want to feel like, wow, like this is exclusive. Wow. She's looking at me. Wow. Like this is exactly what I've been looking for. Like that's kind of the experience you want to create when you're navigating that conversation. Great. All right. And so now just uh, stepping back a few steps for many Uh, photographers or creatives even having that initial conversation like you might be sitting next to someone on a bus who's sitting there talking about how oh yeah and I've got these five kids and you know and like they're thinking wow I should tell them about my services but I'm too scared to tell them because I'm just scared full stop how do you overcome that fear of even uh because you know you you've somehow uh, in your life been told to not don't talk about yourself don't pump yourself up you don't want to sound like you're up yourself so a lot of creators sure. will miss that opportunity and say nothing how do you get over that yeah i think that if you are feeling that that means that you're doing it right okay like i i want you to know that if it feels strange it is not because that it is strange but because you're doing it for the first time so when you do something for the first time it is going to feel scary but the faster that you can do that and get over it the easier it will be so maybe if you're like scared shitless and you can't even say anything to somebody on the bus what you could do is is when, when you're out and about and you know, you're at Starbucks, you run to target, like you're picking up kids from the school line again. Like when you're, when you, when somebody talks to you actually ask them a question. So don't respond with a sentence, actually ask them a question and that will help kind of flex your conversation muscle. So do that literally for maybe even just one full day. Every time someone talks to you, just ask them back a question so you can open up the conversation and see how that feels. That's great advice. So just getting comfortable with being in a conversation with a stranger 
And I guess the mm-hmm. more you do that, it's like training, trying to get a six pack. You can't get a six pack by just doing a sit up. I've tried. It doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to do it every day, right? Yeah. And, you know, speaking of, of how to make the conversations less awkward is sometimes yeah. just pointing it out. So when you approach sales from a place of, I have nothing to hide, yeah. it makes, it will make things easier. So if it feels awkward and you, I, I'll even say that I was like, Oh man, this might be a little strange, but like, please forgive me. But I noticed insert blank and blank, or this conversation might, or this question might be a little direct. And if it's too much, please tell me so. So like I'm framing the experience and calling out like what, calling out how I'm feeling, right. Or calling out the situation in the room, which gives somebody some context rather than they're wondering like, who is this? What are you doing? Why? What? So. That's interesting because I, I, I um, teach uh, my photography students the same thing about the, to get over their fear of photographing strangers and, and like all photographing people, a lot of uh, photographers that are starting out they're they're okay. They can go and photograph a landscape or they can photograph mm-hmm. an inanimate object. No problem. But when it, when you've got someone in front of you and suddenly you need to take their photo, it's really nerve wracking. And I can remember the first time I had to photograph someone. I was so nervous I could barely speak. And so I think I, I don't think I said anything. I just took their photo and ran. <laughs> I wanted it to be over so quickly because, oh, my God, this is the most embarrassing thing I've ever done. But then the more I did it, the more relaxed I became and, and you know, I, I could slow down the shoot and take control. It, but, again, it's like that training for your ads. It's this muscle. So I guess – for that that initiating sales in, in you know as you're going about your day-to-day life it's it's a training thing so that 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 idea of you go to Starbucks and maybe on the first day if you're super super shy uh and the barista says what would you like uh maybe as a first attempt you might say hey cuz they got a name tag right the baristas at Starbucks you might have a try at saying, hey, Dave, how's your day going? Yeah. And then you might only do that. You might do that every day for a week and then next week you might try and ask someone in the line. Is that is that what you're trying to say? And just to desensitise it because then yeah. when you realise that the sky didn't fall down, nobody laughed at you, you didn't die alone in a ditch for doing that, right? You get that confidence to talk to more people and and then maybe from there you progress to, all right, let me have a crack at this trying to sell my work from here. Yeah, and I think that that's kind of the lie is that we're told that things will sell itself, but really the things that sell, like the things that are going to sell are the things that are most known and like the most things that have the confidence behind them, right? Because your clients aren't going to buy your guests. And so when you can convey that level of confidence in the conversation, they're going to look to you for the recommendation of what they should be buying. Yeah, it's uh, that's interesting that you say that. I remember uh, when I uh, first set up my business, so we're talking 30 years ago now, I, I worked uh, uh, walked into a share studio that I that, that I was um, I signed up for with a, another photographer and I remember my first day I moved in all my equipment and then I sat there at the empty desk 
going, all right, what do I do now? And I remember the photographer I was sharing with said, all right, well, I said, well, you know, what do I do? And he's like, well, you've got to go out there and get clients. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, okay, how do I do that? Like, I didn't even know. He's like, well, why don't don't you uh, open the phone book, but this is before internet, and start calling people. I'm like, well, random people? He's like, no. What sort of photography do you want to do? And he gave me some suggestions. He's like, maybe start with uh, model agencies and see if anyone needs headshots or actors agencies or why don't you start with PR agencies? And he's like, start at A and work yourself through to uh, Z in the the phone book. And he said, and the best (laughs) advice he gave me, he's like, you might call 100 people before you get a yes. He's like, mm-hmm. so start collecting no's and eventually uh, the more you do, the easier it will get from you and eventually there will be people that you can – and all you're doing is saying, hey, can I come in and show you some work? And yep. you've got to hope for a yes. And I can tell you, Shauna, the first, I don't know, 20 calls that I made, <laughs> I was dreadful. And then he said, write down what you're going to say. if you Because I, I, I couldn't even I'd, – I'd, I'd do things like – um, the person's name that I'm calling is Dave and I'm Gina, right? And I'd go, hi, Gina, I'm Dave. No, uh, actually, no. I, I got that wrong. Um, i, I got to go and I'd hang up, you know, and I'm like, and then I'd sit there and tell myself off for half an hour. I'm like, you idiot, you blew that. That was terrible. And then and then I just, he just said, keep going. Keep Yes, of course yeah. you're going to suck when you start but it gets better and better and better. And so it, and it got to the point where I, I actually got really good at cold calling these agencies because as a commercial <laughs> photographer, that's what you need to do. And then I learned, yeah. you know, all the little tricks that like, there's no point ringing the secretary and saying, can you get them to call me back? Guess what? Right. No one's going to call you back. You've got to go, oh, when do you think they'll be back? I'll call back at, at that time. Yeah. And so yeah. it's just that muscle, training that muscle and learning how to get over myself and my fear and feeling klutzy at doing it uh, that, that made it a lot easier. So I guess that, that whole thing in the start, starting in the Starbucks line and uh, working from there is a good idea. Yeah, and, and you're absolutely right. Like having those conversations can feel so scary when you're tied emotionally to the response. So like the no's feel devastating when the yes feels like, you know, out of this world. And so what you want to focus on really is just doing the work. Like, just like, what do I need to do and feel good about the, like the process of like getting where I need to go rather than going through this high and low of like, Oh my gosh, they said, no, I'm, this is horrible and stupid. Right. And this is, this is amazing. And this is so great because they said yes, but like really kind of keep your energy at like a stable, like level where you're just, again, focused on the work. It'll make everything feel so much better. Uh, that's such great advice. And that goes across the board to everything. So it's not mm-hmm. a, like a matter of the outcome, let go of the outcome and focus on doing the work. And it's just like head yeah. down, bum up, do the work and uh and and keep uh keep pitching and per- perfecting the way that you do it and developing that art of the uh natural conversation i guess mm-hmm. um and you said something really interesting and that's like to not uh when someone says no 
to something, a product that you're selling, they're not saying, I hate you and you suck, are they? Which is what we think when someone rejects us. It's like they've rejected me personally when um, I've, I've tried to uh, convince them to that I have this great product that you might be interested in and they turn around and say, no, I'm actually not interested, then we take it personally. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think we're kind of habitually trained to say no too. Like, I'll just say no to everything. Because, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I'll just say no to everything because that's just like instinctual. Like, it doesn't always mean what you may think it may mean. It may just mean like my hands are full and I've already did too much stuff today. You know what I mean? Yeah. So just because people say no doesn't mean that they're thinking that much about you. They're just thinking about their own stuff. They're not even thinking about us at all, really, are they? No, I, I honestly don't think so. I think that they're just thinking about like they either don't understand the value or the timing is is wrong. So, I mean, that has nothing to do with you. All right. So ha- let's have a think. So a lot of uh, new photographers wanting to um, get their foot in the door, get their work out there, will do something where they start shooting for free. Mm-hmm. and that that gets their foot in the door but then they end up being the free photographer and and it's hard to raise prices or they've got this uh fear of raising prices because if they put their prices up people aren't going to want their services because they've got to compete on price what are your thoughts on that oh man i think that competing you i think that you have to very early on decide that you will not compete on price because you can't like there will always be somebody cheaper who will do it faster and you know what i mean like who you everybody knows somebody that can do it cheaper and so you've got to decide that you won't you can't compete on pricing so you have to get really creative about your market right so like think about your market who you're meant to serve and what what are they missing what are they saying that nobody else is serving a need and then go serve them right and sell your service at the price that it's worth and so when you're selling saying sell the service what is it that you're selling when you're selling a service what what is it that you're trying to put out there Oh man, you're selling the outcome. You're selling what your customer wants, right? So what is your, so, so this is kind of where you got to do some market research and figure out like, what are your favorite clients saying and how can you provide that thing that they need and want more than anything else? Do you do like, can you honestly say that? Because if you want your clients to engage with your work, you have to be able to know who you're talking to. And so if you only want to sell the cheapest thing, like you're going to ha- like, that's a totally different market. That's a totally different person. The person who is going to pay, you know, $5,000 versus a free session, they're two totally different people. And so you want to make sure that the person at the $5,000 price point is actually like sees and wants what you have. And so you've got to be able to do some level of market research to figure out where, where your angle is. Right. That makes good sense. So what do you see are the biggest mistakes that uh, creatives have when it comes to selling their work or their services? Oh man. What are the most common mistakes? 
Yeah, I think that they, I think that it's really common that the customer ends up controlling like the creative process and the, the price. And I think that is really scary for clients. Like we had talked, you know, earlier when you're kind of desperate for money and you need the job, like you're willing to let your client kind of dictate the process, dictate the price, even though you may know, like, this is the best way that I can serve you. This is the best way for you to get quality. And like, this is the price that the service is worth. And so we tend to tend to, we, we end up treating the sales process like a collaboration, which in a lot of ways it is right when you're facilitating the decision. But once they've actually like purchased, like it's really important that you kind of hold your own and you like exuberate this level of confidence because they are looking to you for those answers. And if, if it's not you, they're going to be in charge and control the entire situation from the price to the process to, to the package. Right. Right. But how do you do that? How do you, how do you stop that? I think that, I think that it's really hard for creatives to, to be able to, to articulate what they actually do. And so when they're looking for the client to, to tell them, it's hard to own your own gifts and your own talents, right? Like if somebody asks you, like, how do you take, you know, how do you take really great photos and how do you do what you do? Like, sometimes it's not always the easiest to articulate. And so when your client hires you to do the said thing and you're sort of second guessing your gifts and like, how do you even do what you do? And is it really even a thing? Do you struggle with imposter syndrome? Like, should you even be here? All the doubts end up manifesting itself into a lack of confidence. And so if you want to command higher prices, if you want to command the creative process, you've got to be able to like, hold your own and exuberate a level of confidence that this is in fact the best thing that I can give you and the best thing for you. And I don't think a lot of people can do that. So how do you do that? How do you get that confidence? I think that you get that confidence by not being afraid to like lose the deal. Right. So again, so say, so confidence is really, you have nothing to hide and you have nothing to lose. And if you go into that deal feeling like, like shit is going to hit the fan, if you don't close this deal, if you don't make that customer happy, like, you know what I mean? Like, you're not just like happy, but like, if you don't, you don't to, to succumb to every one of their whims that it's going to be over for you. Like that's a place of fear. And so what you want to do is, is how you do this is you actually bring a level of confidence that says, if you don't buy this, it's okay. It's totally okay. Mm. And there will be somebody who will. And that's confidence. Yes. Yeah. Good question. Thank you for pressing. Thank you for pressing me on that because that is so valuable. Is that, yeah, like if you want confidence, you can't be afraid to lose a deal. All right. So how... How can we how can we practice that in everyday life? What are some things that we could do in day to day life so that it, you know the family eating at the end of the week is not going to be affected by these sure. transactions that we do in everyday life? Is it like because I've heard uh, suggestions where just go into uh, a store next time you're buying something where you don't really care about the outcome and ask for a discount 
you know, negotiate yeah. <laughs> and then walk away, which is something that I pre- I will not buy anything without asking for a discount up front. And that took me a long time to train myself up to have the confidence, but now I do it as a game. Right? That's really funny. To, mm-hmm. to, to get myself out of this thing because I don't care about the outcome. I'll pay full price, but I'm going to ask for the discount anyway. Is, is, have you got any tips on on building that confidence muscle so that when a client is saying we're only we can only pay a hundred dollars and you need to come back with actually it's 150 and I, I can't negotiate and I'm going to walk away from this because I know there's someone else that values what I do yeah so so two parts specifically I think that I think it, I think you need to, I think you need to bring about a level of mindfulness to your own thinking. So start being consciously aware of when you want to say something and you hold back. A lot of times we want to say something or we have in the past and it's gotten us into a lot of trouble, probably with our parents or like our grandma or, you know what I mean? Like, so we're taught really early on that, like you bite your tongue and you hold back and you don't say what you really want to say. And so if you can start to capture those moments in your mind where you're like, oh, I really wanted to say this, like start saying that, like start practicing those moments out loud. You're like, I'm going to say this. This is what I really want to say. And that will also help flex your confidence muscle when you're talking about, you know, you, you add you going up and asking for people discounts every time. This is also another way that you could do that really easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's building that muscle and um, uh, building that, 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 that self-respect. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. I know I have this product and I know how good it is and I value mm-hmm. it. And I guess it's yeah. like if you don't value what you do, no one else will. So I guess it starts yeah. with you, right? Yep. Yeah. And But in terms of the person who wouldn't be able to, you know, if, you, if you're trying to negotiate $50, if the person can't pay an extra $50, they have bigger problems than a 100, than buying a $100 product. So I also think I would also emphasize how important it is to have the money talk like up front, like not at the end where you're like about to close the deal. Like you need to be asking, like, what's your budget? How much do you expect to spend? Like how much of this is value to you? Like, what are you going to do with it? What does it mean to you? So that way the money talk isn't going to be like, you're not going to be shortchanged, but if they are, If, if you, if you want, if you are trying to negotiate a price, I would, I mean, it really is oh, awesome. You want to pay a hundred dollars. Great. Okay. So it's only going to cost you $50 more and then it will be good to go. That's my price. One fifty, Right. So like you're coming from it at a place of agreement, like, oh yeah, like you want to spend a hundred dollars with me. That's awesome. But what I'd like to do is also let you know that the price is actually only $50 more and you're still going to be able to get the quality that you are looking for right so that's kind of how I would navigate that part of the conversation and I think that's very difficult for a lot of creatives to do to get that money talk up front because you know when you're starting out you're already just excited that someone's actually going to pay you to do what you love to do right and so it's like oh my god but if I mm-hmm. bring up money now they're going to run away so is that again it comes down to fear and so um yeah, learning to get getting that out of the way first because often it, 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 you take the client by surprise at the end when going, okay, well, this is how much this is going to cost now. And they're like, wait, what? Yep. You didn't tell me this. Yep. 
Yep. And so that's why it's so important to know who you're selling to, because once you know who that is, like you're going to know with a pretty good estimate of if they can afford your service or not. And so you won't have to, it won't be such a surprise if you know who the person is and if they can up front. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of like, and, and, and it is like, as you go around your day-to-day life, just sort of, you, you value what other people do. So you wouldn't go into say a restaurant and say, all right, um, I want you, I, I, I'll have the steak with the salad, but um, I want to, I don't want to have the salad. I don't need that. I don't want you to actually cook the steak. Just put a bit of meat on the, on the plate and, uh, can you give it to me for less because I've got a lot of Instagram followers and I can promote your restaurant? No one does that, right? But why do they do that to creatives where they go, oh, we don't actually want you to process the photos. We'll just take the raw files and we'll pay you um, a lot less for that. How do you negotiate your way around that? Oh, man. Oh, I, I, (laughs) this is such a good question because I think that most of the world just sees the art, like the finished product and thinks like, Oh, like it just took, you know, a half hour session for you to shoot that photo. But what they don't see is like all the other, my husband is a printmaker. And so when he was doing, when he left college, he, he was doing printmaking at home, but he would do this with like a spoon. You know what I mean? Like he would press the pictures in the basement with a, like a spoon. And they were, these are monster prints, like six feet by, you know, by like three feet. And, you know, people think, I mean, the, the, this, these pieces of art are worth like a thousand, you know, a thousand dollars. And people yeah. are just like, Oh, I'll give you 50, you know, it's buddies are like, I'll give you 50 bucks for it. But it's like, no dude, like this took like, this took like two months. Yeah. I think the world just kind of thinks that your art skill is just like your creative skill set is just there and you can just like whip stuff out and don't really understand all the work that goes into it to even get to that point, which is super frustrating. <laughs> super so, frustrating. So, so is the job of photographers is to convey the value of what they do. So it's not just a matter of like, you're not paying the 50 cents for the print that this image is um, printed on. You're paying for the, you know, five or 10 years that this photographer is invested in learning that, that craft in, in the fact that, you know, this photographer can go into any situation and uh, mm-hmm. make your home look amazing for a, say an interior shot, or I can, I can yeah. make babies look really good or that these are my specialties. These are what I bring to the table. And, 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 and I think that's what photographers need to remember when they're nego- negotiating for, for uh, those higher rates rather than shooting free. Yeah, absolutely. And we, you know, as photographers, like the, the, the beauty is like the, the photograph, right? Like it's, it's really the photograph. So we end up spending a lot of time selling the, the photograph, the, the thing, but what, but what we want to do is we want to give like a value-based pricing that makes them think about what does the photo mean to you? What are you going to do with it? And if we can get to that emotional sort of essence of why it matters at all to the client, they're going to pay a premium price for that because the more perceived value, the more you can command a higher price. And that's what you want to get at is, is what does this thing give you? What does it provide for you? And so, um, 
you don't want to be at a place where they can get that anywhere. You don't want to be at a place where you're just a race to the bottom because you're going to lose. And so if you can emphasize more on this, what's the perceived value, it's going to make those bigger deals a lot easier. Fantastic. All right. So for those uh, photographers that are listening, what's one thing that everyone can do today that's going to change how they feel about selling? Ooh, you're such a, you ask such good questions. What's one thing that they could do today that'll make them a sell? Is that what you said? Yeah. Better at selling. Okay. Awesome. So when somebody expresses interest in your work, I want you to just ask them. Awesome. Cool. If you love my work, it would mean everything to me. If you could share it, if you could give me a referral, if you could send somebody my way who is looking for X, Y, Z, right? So like take it one next natural step. What you want to do is those people who love you and love your work are probably willing to talk about you. If you just ask a lot of us, have been, I mean, all of us really have always been told what to do, when to do it, how to do it from the time that we were little babies. And so it can feel strange to do something that like nobody ever told us to do. And so what you want to do is when somebody has expressed, again, interest in your work, they've said, oh man, I love it. Take it one next natural step and say, if you love my work, awesome. I love it too. And it would be amazing if you could give me a referral. Like if you could help me reach this particular audience, like get help from the people around you because nine out of 10 times, I guarantee that they're willing to help you if you just ask. That's great advice. I love that. And, and Shauna, uh, before we go, how, how do you help photographers and, and creatives do that? Yeah, absolutely. So I basically sell a membership model where people can get access to me like during certain office hours and I'll help them navigate the sales talk. So if they're, if they got an inquiry and they're trying to turn them into a client or if somebody ghosted them or if there's an upcoming deal, any sort of nuances in the conversation, we'll role play those out and we'll close those deals for you. Uh, if anyone is interested in getting support with their selling and uh, learning from one of the best, where can people find you? Oh, man, you can find me online at heyheyshaunamay.com or on Instagram. Same handle, heyheyshaunamay. Fantastic. Shauna, this has been great. I've really uh, loved chatting with you and I wish you great success. I'll, I'll have you back on the podcast again. We can do some more role playing. That was fun. <laughs> yes. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. This <laughs> was so, so good. Much. Thank you. There we go, Shauna Beckman, and you can check out more of Shauna's work uh, on her website and Instagram. We're going to put all of the links in the show notes, which you can find at GinaMilitia.com. So what are you doing in the coming week? All right, I'm in pre-production for a show, so that always keeps me on my toes, Val. Lots of work there. I've got to find cake now. That's uh, my the only – I can't even think, Val. I need yeah. sugar. I really do. What are you up to? Oh, now you've put that in my Sorry, head too. it's like it's can't be you just that's it. That's mm. all I can think out about now. Sugar. Yes, goodness me. Well, I just finished co-writing a book mm. and so we're now in the editing process. So Amazing. that's what's going to keep me busy. That will keep you very busy. <laughs> <laughs> Where do we find you online, Gina? You can find me at ginamilitia.com. So that's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm at Gina Militia on all social media. And if you're one of those photographers that's 
really want to take your photography to the next level and you've been struggling with getting off auto, even if you're an absolute beginner and you've just picked up a camera or you're a, a pro, any age, we've got we've got photographers from all ages in the goal community. Uh, and if you want to take your photography to the next level, then check out the Gold community. You can go to ginamilitia.com and click on join the community. What about you, Val? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. And, um, yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. We look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.